And now, coming to you live from our coast-to-coast trading desk, this is Moby.co Live. We're a weekly live podcast discussing the economy, the stock market, and the mechanics that power the world around you. As always, I'm your host, Peter Starr, and I'm joined by our co-founder and lead analyst, Justin Kramer. Yeah, what's good, Justin? How's life over in Miami? <laughs> not, not too bad so far. Thanks for... Uh... Thanks for asking. How's it back over on the West Coast? Uh, we're getting, we're finally drying out. We're hitting that sort of like weird period of like, oh, it's it's November, but like we have October weather where the whole state's going to catch on fire again. So we're super excited. Let me tell you what. And meanwhile, we've got like a stacked show for the audience today. Like Q4 is always the noisiest time in our markets. So like we're going to cover a lot in our 30 minute runtime. Everything from these staggering new inflation numbers to services like SoFi and Chibi, incredible growth, even when revenue is depressed. But here at market close on Thursday, I figure the best place for us to start is like the hottest IPO of the year, Rivian. Justin, you called this hard earlier this week, saying it was going to be absolutely explosive and it's completely delivered. Like I thought it would completely deflate and it's just been massive. So Justin, like what are your thoughts on Rivian being up like what, 22% in their first full day of trading and achieving just stupid levels of valuation off of like what, 15 truck sales? Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's absolutely insane. You look back at past IPOs in terms of companies that are even pre-revenue, which which happened more and more these days, but not so much of, of the days past. And and even so, the approaching the valuation they're at for for not having a dollar in revenue is, is insanity. Um, it's kind of hard to believe, but at the same time, that's that's the market, that's the world we're living in today. So can't totally discount it, and you kind of just have to move forward. Having said that, the the market right now is just for Rivian is. It's hard to get into as a short-term investor, even a long-term investor, to justify this valuation is tough. And we wrote about this last week. We talked about it last week in terms of like this company really becoming extremely large. We even said we liked it better than the Lucid IPO. Um, I think there's a ton of opportunity. There's a real chance that they get to a half a trillion dollar valuation in the next few years and even a trillion over the next decade or two. Like they really have that upside, but obviously it comes with a risk. And even with that upside, it's only 10x or roughly 10 to 15x from today's valuation. So, I mean, that's still a huge multiple. Um, the market's not going to increase 15 times in the next, you know, in the next decade, most likely. But there's, it, it's hard to get in. Long story short, right now, I, I would like to see it pull back a little. Um, but it's also really tough to time the market. So, biggest, you know, the biggest way we're playing it is if you're a short-term investor, I, I think it's a tough time to get in right now. I, I wouldn't go for it about today's valuation. If you're trying to get in over the next five, 10 years, you know, every single day, um, it, it goes up, it goes down. Just a dollar cost average is probably the best way to play it in like two week, four week increments. And so that you're getting like the spread over the next month or two until it like really settles out. Precisely. And it's one of those things, too, where like that's uh, the short term, long term dichotomy is really important to keep in mind. But I think one thing that you just pointed out is something that's really overlooked in a lot of like the discourse about Rivian this week. And um, people are calling Rivian like, you know, the next Tesla or air quotes, the Tesla killer. Um, and they're saying like it's it's overvalued in the way that air in the way that Tesla does air quotes overvalued, whether or not you believe in Tesla's valuation or not. And we can get into Tesla drama later if we super have time for it. But the thing to keep in mind is that uh, the scales here are completely off like tesla went from uh, an extremely low valuation all the way to a trillion and so you you managed to experience you know truly stupid gains if you got in in the 2014 2015 mark whereas 
the 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 limit here is a lot smaller. Like 10, 10 to 15x is still incredible, but you're not going to experience a Tesla-esque upside. Like the floor is just so much higher now, which I feel like is still fine. Like it's 15x is still incredible, but we still hear all those stories about Tesla, right? Um, and I just, that's the main thing to keep in mind. Like you're having a much more moderate investment here compared to what you might be thinking. Like I'm giving, getting it on Rivian. It's like getting it in Tesla 2013. No, it's not. Tesla has fundamentally shifted how we think about EVs, how we even think about like the value of very of, of a tech slash car company so please keep that in mind like the valuation is much higher thanks to the muskification of our economy and so i think it's really important to to lock in but one thing you also pointed out is that like uh, <coughs> rivian has a decent chance of becoming a trillion dollar company over the next decade i think that's almost in a a statement that's a little bit unfair considering a lot of companies are going to have an easier chance of becoming trillion dollar companies in the next decade thanks to just these incredible inflation numbers so justin i am curious like i thought that was an awesome transition i'm literally going to pat myself on the back here i don't care <laughs> <laughs> um but like uh just the cpi this week uh was uh i look i don't want to be dramatic but as somebody who doesn't really understand numbers seeing a big number like that is a little bit bone chilling and so just just your your view here as we look at like the our fed is basically just like consistently saying yeah definitely inflation's transitory it's not a big deal guys it's totally fine um when then you see the cpi bump up like this midweek uh, what are your thoughts on inflation like uh, obviously, like there's a lot of pressures where we're going to have reverberations from 2020 forever, but we just keep getting like the inflation story just keeps getting hotter and hotter and hotter and the pressure keeps increasing and increasing. And so what are your views in terms of inflation and like how do we respond to these kind of crazy inflation numbers as investors? Um, do you see a lot of us and a lot more people entering the space to try to keep up with inflation to augment their wages as their wages become less and less valuable? Or what do you see there as we sort of navigate this new high inflation space? No, I think it's uh, it's an interesting point, and I will agree. Nice transition there. <laughs> I like it. Um, but yeah, I think the inflation right now is is definitely very interesting. Um, you you know, you rewind a year ago, and you have I don't even know if it was a year ago. Honestly, it could have been less. You have the Fed saying that inflation is transitory, and no one's really buying it, but no one else really cares at the same time. And then even several months ago, the Fed saying transitory doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to go by quickly, kind of taking back a, a step there and redefining what the word transitory even means. And then fast forward today, and you know it's over 6%. It's the highest it's been in, in years, in decades. And a lot of people are scared, but the market's still going up, crypto's still going up. And so people are asking, like, what the hell do we do right now? Like, are we going to get into a period where, like, the Fed has to change their interest rate policy? Or is there going to be hyperinflation? These are all, like, legitimate fears that investors are just shrugging off because of how much money is flowing into the markets. But that doesn't necessarily mean that everything's going to be going up. So something we've been saying about for a while now is things that are hedged against interest rate risks. And if you look at, like, financials and energy and a lot of the stocks in those sectors, they've been performing really well this year relative to the rest. Um, a lot of other stocks, especially really high valuation stocks in the tech sector with high multiples, have gotten hit hard. There's there's other stocks that have gotten hit hard as well. So if it's going to tank the market today or tomorrow, anyone <laughs> anyone out there who tells you that they have the answer to that is just is lying. Um, there's definitely a lot of scary metrics, and we're definitely being cautious with our investing style um, in the in the chance that that does happen, but. Until that happens, we just have to look at the current landscape and invest in things that like are going to perform well should inflation continue to pick up, should the 
Fed have to change their interest rate hike schedule. And so can't predict tomorrow, but we just have to like act accordingly based on the information that we've been given. And that's why, again, the stocks we've been recommending, the portfolios we've been building, it's all in anticipation of kind of what's going on right now. Exactly. And I also think the hyperinflation worries are a little bit overblown because you're seeing inflation everywhere. Like, depending on your politics, you probably hear a lot about you hear a lot of very American centric ideas on inflation. And I think those are very uh, self-centered, honestly. Right. I, I recently was looking at a graph. I've been trying to you know, wrap my head around this inflation question and just get a better understanding of it. And uh, one understanding we have of our economy as as Ameri Americans, as we learn about how our economy works, is that we used to be a very much good centered economy, like in the 1950s, 60s and 70s, like most of uh, personal consumption was spent on goods and like most of like the stuff we did was producing goods and then from the 80s into like the 2010s we became more of a services based economy if you look at like the actual personal consumption though the flip from majority of Americans doing personal consumption in goods versus services didn't flip until about 2014. And then we became fully, all of our demand was centered on services from 2014 onwards. So you look at the separation gradually spread out from 2014 until 2020, uh, we were spending way more on services than we were on goods. I'm talking like movie theaters, getting really expensive coffee, having wacky theater experiences in New York, whatever it is you do, it was mainly service-based. Then 2020 hits, Demand for both crashes briefly, but now it's completely inverted. We're back to like a 1950s level of separation between personal demand and personal purchases on goods and personal demand and personal purchases on services. And just, just having that quick flip puts the whole world economy out of whack. Demand is just completely backwards. We have a whole bunch of workers who are better suited for service positions, and we have a whole bunch of demand that is basically centered around, I want to buy a big TV and renovate my house, right? So I think it's really interesting watching just that problem reverberate because the that demand is still not it's still kind of flat in that ratio right now where you have a much higher demand for goods than services as you know we're, we're lockdowns are easing but we're going back into the winter which means that there's going to be more COVID spikes people are going to kind of lock down huddle in a little bit so i think that's very interesting too and so when you try to think about inflation audience try to think about it in terms of hey there's a lot just how big of a blow 2020 was and how uh, it just, it hit the whole world, right? And so all of the money flows are going in the wrong, in not necessarily the wrong direction, but they're going in a different direction than they were even two years ago. And something happening that fast is having just these gigantic effects. But that brings me to your, your main point, which is that services are crushing it, specifically financial services. One, one stock that you have been harping on a lot lately, right, that has just been seeing anti-gravity levels of growth despite the fact they should they like their revenues getting cut completely because their main product they can't make money off of right now is SoFi. they reported earnings yesterday and they are just going sky high off of it despite the fact that like their main revenue source is student loans and there is a student loan moratorium here in america right now and so i'm just curious like is that just one of those things where the market is anticipating like that that loan moratorium ending or is it just like it doesn't matter uh, that SoFi isn't making as much money. Like if their guidance is lower and they beat that, they're just going to keep crushing numbers. What's going on in financial services? Why is it just like completely crushing right now, dude? Yeah, I mean, you, you raised, like, raised a lot of good points with kind of like the preemptive question asking there. And it's it's kind of a combination of a lot of things that you brought up. So SoFi, obviously stock's been ripping. We got, you know, like to pat ourselves in the back that we, <laughs> we recommended at the right time. But I, as much as anyone will say that timing is really, really hard. It's a stock that we liked a lot and we thought the setup was really good going forward. 
having to call it like at the absolute bottom was you know what's called 50 50 walking skill you still um, you, you again, do that a lot though dude like a st- like <laughs> like more than statistically average like you 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 called tesla basically a minute before it popped off you called sofi a minute before it popped off you you mentioned rivian and rivian has the biggest ipo of all time like you're not batting a thousand but like batting average is pretty high my dude like don't sell yourself short yeah no i know i just um for everyone listening in there's just there's so many people out there who will say that they're freaking like an oracle and that they can do all this shit and like just a lot of it's bullshit so it's like i want to like not be one of those guys and just be like listen like this is when it's real this one's not real i think it, it inher- like puts a piece of trust in us that you know like we're not just spewing a bunch of bullshit um and we can be humble and need be but yeah i mean listen we, we also at the same time are working our asses off to to make sure that everything we're providing you guys is as accurate and as like predictable as possible. So yeah, there's to your point, there's a, a lever of both there. Um, but anyway, for the the SoFi question that you kind of raised, like on why it's doing well, why it's going to continue doing well. So SoFi released earnings this week. Um, for you guys who are following our newsletter, we called that they were at. We called this out last week that they'd be releasing earnings this week. We thought they would beat, and if they didn't, we were using any weakness in the stock to actually continue adding more to our position. Uh, if you're not subscribed to a newsletter, definitely check it out. We call out earnings like this every single week ahead of time. Um, but yeah, so in there, the earnings came out and the results were better than anticipated. And the outlook going forward was also better than anticipated. Um, they reported a loss of $0.05 cents per share, um, but they also beat estimates um, in terms of their revenue estimates at $251 million. Um, was the estimates and it ended up coming at 277 million. So like well above what people were anticipating. And then exactly to your point about the student loan moratorium ending in the early part of next year, it's just becoming that much more real and it's such a large portion of their business strategy and their overall go-to-market strategy and the interest rate environment we have going on. There's just a lot of tailwinds that are kind of combining together at the right time to help propel them going forward. So it's a combination here of good timing, a good macro environment, and just overall, like, again, the same reason we recommended it, fundamentally a good stock starting to, like, come into fruition. And, it, you know, it started its journey as one of those, like, SPAC stocks that flew up and then flew down because Chamath was associated with it. But, like, this is definitely a, a very real company. And that's and that's awesome too. And before I get into like, as we keep moving into the back half here, audience, I'm seeing a lot of hands kind of timidly raised and timidly going down. If you have any questions, we're trying to run a really tight ship here and keeping those questions to text only. So if there's anything that you want to ask us about, I want to aim you at the voice chat channel here at um, Moby.co Discord. And if that's Sometimes those things are kind of hard to find, so you can also feel free to DM me directly, MobyStar, and I'll gladly, you know, uh, disseminate any questions y'all have right now just to make sure that we get the advice and the focus that y'all want because we want to prioritize our live audience here. But Justin, as we keep thinking about services and we keep thinking about, like, the demand for services just not going down at all in our economy, just kind of like... Uh, like the demand for sort of like non-in-person services being like the one thing driving the services economy. When you're thinking about that, like you just released a new price target for Roblox and we just released a video about like the metaverse and thinking about how the metaverse works and what the internet is going to become. Can you just take me a little bit through that in terms of like, obviously Roblox popped off 30% 
this uh, after earnings on Monday, like an absolutely staggering spike. At the same time, Facebook shedded not 30%, but like a pretty decent chunk of value off the back of the same news, like not directly tied to it, but still, you know, a very interesting coincidence. So I'm wondering like what your thoughts are on like the metaverse, like I know you're building a really big metaverse report, but can you give us a couple of previews, a couple of highlights as more and more questions kind of roll in from our audience? Like what are your thoughts? Read Roblox, the new price target you set, and how you think the metaverse is going to evolve over the next like five to 10 years? Yeah, I mean, the metaverse is something that's like been teased about for so long. I mean, Facebook, I guess, is like coining or not coining, but what's called owning the term of like what the metaverse is with a rebrand from Facebook over to to metaverse. In our opinion, from what we've seen so far, as, as Facebook relates to it, I'll start with that and then I'll get into like what I actually think about the metaverse going forward. Facebook, listen, they have more resources than but pretty much any other tech company in the world, like barring a few. And they also um, they also have like some of the best data and algorithms in the world. So they've definitely been able to like build some awesome products. Having said that, all of their core products today that are doing well in the market, primarily Instagram and WhatsApp, have come via acquisitions. And so a lot of their innovation has been done via the M&A route, which again, there's there's a whole conversation to be had about that, but they've struggled to innovate internally. And so even Oculus, which they're in theory, like hinging a large portion of their future on, is another M&A piece that will see their ability to innovate off that. To date, they have had some success, but from what we've seen so far, I, I would be very hard pressed to say that they can completely pivot and like unify their social experience across the metaverse. Um, like really any anytime soon. Um, I know that they're, they're calling themselves metaverse, but this is something that's gonna take time. And like, I think their, their probability of success is lower than most people think. Especially when you factor in that pretty much a large, large portion of their revenue is due to selling ads and they're not able to like really target and sell ads as well as they used to given like the privacy changes in Apple and across Europe and, and in California as well. Um, but I'm getting a little off topic here, but as it relates to the metaverse itself with Roblox, with some of these other companies. Um, and like I said, we are going to release a report on just like every company that's acting within the metaverse, all the way from wearables to audio, to visual, to microchips, everyone who's involved in it. We're going to release a report on that probably next week or the week after, but this is something again, that isn't happening tomorrow to the extent that it's being advertised. Roblox is in a precarious position because they've actually been doing this for years and have a really strong developer community. And there's like this interesting article that I read recently about Jude's Law, and it basically says the smartest people are never working your company because like the power of the masses is in the power of the masses, not at an individual company. And so Roblox kind of took that principle like really to heart and was able to use like their community of developers that's continuing to grow who aren't Roblox employees to build out additional applications on top of like their base level software. So it's a really fancy way of saying they have a ton of resources and people helping them out who aren't employed by them. And so their ability to like innovate over the years, A, has been awesome, like beyond successful. They've had a ton of growth, a ton of adoption. Their active users have been going up and they've, they've been around for a while. They're someone who necessarily isn't going to own the metaverse, and I don't think any one company will, but they'll be a large contributing factor um, into what ultimately becomes like this larger ecosystem. 
of companies. There, there'll be one of the inputs, but a a strong primary input um, unless things change. But it's definitely becoming more and more relevant. It's just not going to be that that zero to ten or that 180 flip from, you know, we are we're we're working in like video game space now, and now all of a sudden we're integrated like Ready Player One is like. There's going to be some in betweens like you've seen in Fortnite in terms of like going to like concerts in the metaverse and like interacting with friends and then going to like museums and like it's it's slowly slowly will integrate more and it's gonna it's gonna take time to get to like what it's promised to be um been rambling for a while there it's a lot to unpack not at all no there, there's a lot there and a lot to cover and i guess the main things i'll, I'll point out is that uh, while uh, the main thing to point out at Roblox is the community, like the community of developers, you have 9 million creators on the platform. And so it goes to show if you find a business that uh, incentivizes people to sort of make their own money, start their own businesses, there's people who are full-time Roblox creators, right? There's full-time Roblox studios. It's wild. Um, that's where you're going to get the main gains. Build that community, build that ecosystem that has its own inside feedback loops, and you will win. And I think you're exactly right. Like Roblox is an integral pioneer and something that's going to be a huge part of the metaverse. But in order for like the metaverse to be what it is advertised to be, you need a technology platform. And if you watch our YouTube video, you'll see that I have an extraordinarily hot take about what company is actually going to provide the uh, device-based platform on which we will experience this metaverse, should we? Because, I mean, Facebook needs to. They've just lost access to 57% of the most valuable consumers on the planet. Like, it, that time is now over. But the main question is, how will they pivot? Uh, they have a lot of great data. They have a lot of they have a lot of good moats. But the question is, how do you make up that kind of revenue? And so I'm just I'm for me the Facebook stock is a popcorn watch for the next like six months. I'm very excited to see how they flail wildly and deal with all of these interesting you know uh, whistleblower reports as well as uh, you know their revenue troubles. Either way, that's kind of getting us into like the last five minutes of what we have here. And so we've just got a bunch of audience questions, honestly. So Justin, I am going to hit you with. Um, quick buy the dip scenarios. I got two for you. We're talking a lot about the metaverse today. Disney came out with earnings today. Bob Iger said the magic word. He said metaverse. And uh, obviously the you know the stock price went down about seven percent. But um, obviously the whole world is now being like, oh Disney in the metaverse. Well, um, so quick question here: Is Disney a good buy the dip opportunity when you're thinking about just like their exposure with Disney Plus? Um, can Disney rule the metaverse? Do you think Disney will go into devices or anything? And you're just you're just quick hot takes there, man. No, I'm sorry. Uh, it's a good question. And before I dive into it, Bob Iger, um, CEO of Disney or former CEO of Disney, um, he's like I'm not one to read business books. I think they're boring. They're super dry. His book is awesome. He his the time he spent at Disney and like everything he did there, I would definitely check it out. Um, and then second book by a CEO, um, the founder and chairman of Nike, Phil Knight's book, Shoe Dog. Also, also awesome. Like two two of the best business books I've ever read. They're definitely highly recommend checking them out. They're really really cool. But yeah, as it relates to Disney, um, Disney is like a company that is one of these legacy media companies, but also at the same time, like has been able to innovate over the years. It's just like in the culture of their DNA, um, or in the, <laughs> yeah, in their culture. Um, they, they're up, I mean, sorry, they're down this over the last few days, but over the last year, I mean, they're up 20%. And then over the last five years, they're up like 65%. And so like, you're not getting crazy growth, but they have been able to, what's what's called copy others and been able to do it well disney like disney their streaming service has done 
like pretty well to date. Granted, there is a bunch of asterisks there um, and they are producing a lot of original content. For them to take like this next step into the metaverse, especially like with Facebook doing it now, uh, there isn't enough information to see like how new this is and if it's like a PR stunt per se. Um, but it's definitely something that we're going to be watching more. And like, we do hold Disney as a stock, like super boring name. Again, it's only contributed 50% gains in the last five years, but it's a good cash alternative. And they like, they have um, just been kind of like a stable name. The only like large dip we really saw was like, honestly, during the start of the pandemic where every single company went down. But if you look at like the history of the company over the last five and even over the last like 20 years, I mean, it's basically just been a slow ride upward. So again, it's a, it's a good place to park your cash, but I don't think Disney's going to be in a position anytime soon to reinvent or be a large player in the metaverse and go from a, you know, a older legacy company to all of a sudden being like a hot tech company who's exploding in a hundred percent year over gains. I just, I think the chance of that happening is extremely low. Exactly. And I think you're going to see people mention this a lot now that Facebook has really poured gasoline on the conversation. Now that everyone in the world kind of really knows what the metaverse is, it's been quietly burbling up in nerd circles, especially in like stock nerd circles. Like everyone's been focusing on it, especially a bunch in the crypto space. So we've been like, you know, figuring the pulse of the metaverse for a while, but now everyone is. And so what you're going to see is a lot of companies mention their metaverse plays and earnings calls and their stock prices pop up. But if the metaverse does anything, it's just going to be a new revenue channel that replaces an older one, say, whatever whatever revenue you made from Facebook ads gets replaced by whatever it is you're doing in the metaverse. Uh, so just keep that in mind. For a lot of this, it's just going to be deck chairs on the Titanic situation, only the Titanic's not sinking. <laughs> it's not really, that is not the metaphor I wanted to use. Uh, getting into our last question, we're like down to like 30 seconds here. Again, quick buy the dip scenario here, just another tech company, a little bit in a little, a little bit of trouble uh, and revenue wise, stock price kind of tanked really hard for the amount of revenue they uh, are down, which doesn't make any sense to me. It's Palantir. Uh, can Peter Thiel write the ship? What's the deal here? Um, do you think do you think Palantir is still a buy with uh, this this big drop off they had after um, earnings, or is it raise a lot more questions to make you think maybe hold off on this one, y'all? I mean, Palantir honestly, like they're a great company, but they also are very services driven, and for a very services driven company with the multiple they did, I just never was like the biggest fan of the company, and so. When they went public, um, <clears throat> excuse me. When they went public late last year, it was a little. It was a flat for the beginning, and then we saw this large rise upwards until the early part of January, or sorry, the early part of February. And then we've seen kind of like this steady road down and stay flat over the course of this year, and now it's continuing to move over. So, in the earlier part of this year, I like the market told me I was wrong. Since then, it looks like they've started to agree with kind of like how I see it. And I, you know, I still see it that way. They win large contracts. They, again, they're helping out from like a consulting standpoint in the technology space. And so they're definitely like adding value and they have a ton of technology, but given if you look through like their actual revenue streams and how they're de like deriving revenue, the multiple on their revenue line versus like a pure tech play is there, there's like a clear valuation like misstep between what they're worth relative to what they should be worth. And I think that's why we've seen like this performance now over the last six months where the last, like let's call it three to six months where it's been really flat um, relative to, to some of the other players out there. And I kind of continue seeing that happen. I haven't had time to dig through this exact uh, earnings call yet to see like what the numbers are and like things that stuck out for it to really pop um, 
I, pop downwards is a little like paradoxical, but to he <laughs> to head downwards. Um, but I definitely we we need to spend some time there, and we can uh, we can definitely add that to the list for analysts to re really check out. Um, you know, we'll, we'll probably then re release another report on that probably in the next week or two. Definitely, because it's genuinely like if you like me, a, a words guy digging through the numbers, like they are genuinely nonsensical. Like there's 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 got to be something I'm missing here, but there's definitely something more. And I think it's more like just the market catching up to your sentiment than anything else. Like there's there's a there's a lot of question marks, and I feel like it's it's kind of a rocky situation. But I don't I don't want to speak for our analyst team here. I want to like you know get the numbers people to look at the numbers as opposed to the words people looking at numbers. Um, either way, Justin, like audience, uh, thank you so much for like uh, a really tight sequence of awesome questions. Um, you know I'm gonna miss Q4. Like Q4 is always the hottest moment in our economy uh, as we kind of uh, sprint to Thanksgiving and Christmas right now. We're still seeing, you know, a lot of really great productivity, a lot of really great growth, a lot of interesting inflation questions, and still a lot of great companies coming out and finding ways to be productive, even in these unprecedented situations. So it's just been a really awesome conversation so far. Justin Kramer, uh, co-founder and chief analyst here at Moby.co. Any final thoughts for you before I go ahead and read the credits? It's been an awesome time, my dude. Yeah, definitely. Uh, only thing I'll add is I got a DM halfway through this about like the inflation comments we were making earlier and how like there are still some companies that are like flying up um, who have high valuations. And I just want to like go back and like, I guess, fill in the gaps here. And so like when you explain markets, like not every single like every single thing we see is going to be like anecdotal for the rest of the market. So like, what I mean by that is because tech stocks are getting hurt where certain tech stocks are getting hurt, doesn't mean every tech stock is going to get hurt. And so, for example, there are certain tech stocks that like their revenue is very, very future dated. And so in 2025, 2026, 2027, that when you start to bring it back and discount it to today's rate, given like this scared interest rates being risen and inflation, like being uh, inflation going up, it's just not worth as much. And that's why we've seen the pullback at the same time, you have companies like Rivian that haven't made it worth $100 billion. So it's not a one size fits all. It's when you look at like the general market, that's the trends we're seeing across a majority of the names. And so when then you also look at financials, there are a handful of financial stocks that are not doing well this year, obviously, but there are other stocks as a whole from a, like, from a sector perspective that are doing really well because of the tailwinds. So like if you look at Silicon Valley Bank, if you and that's a stock we've talked about. If you look at like Lending Club and some of these other like traditional more credit players, they've done really well this year. And so that's what I just want to clarify in terms of like when I talk about tech stocks getting hurt. Like yeah, there's a like the Nasdaq's at all time high. There's a plenty of tech stocks that are crushing, but there are also like plenty of ones that aren't doing well. And it's the ones that have like their revenue again, not all, but a lot of them where their revenue is very future dated. They're very growth oriented, and they're not like the value plays that we see a lot of other value stocks doing well right now. So just wanted to clarify that point. Um, but outside of that, no, I don't think there's really anything else. It's pretty comprehensive. Um, only thing I'll add is, again, guys, any questions, any stocks you want us to cover, we can't get to them all, but we'll try to add as many to our, our queue and our waiting list as, as possible. If you have any questions, Discord's really the rest, best place to interact with me. And Peter's kind of the face of this. The rest of the analysts, we keep them in a, in a closet. Um, they don't get to see the light too often. So <laughs> some of them may be seeing now. the light soon though. Some of them are finally showing some promise and being like actually social creatures. So we'll find out. We'll find out maybe in the next like two to three weeks. Yeah, <laughs> totally.
<laughs> exactly. Either way, audience, thank you so much for all of your awesome questions. Thanks so much for your awesome feedback, too. Um, again, if you have any other questions or if there's anything you want us to focus on as we move forward, again, uh, Discord is the best place for that. You can feel free to DM, DM me, MobyStar, or D, uh, even DM Justin, too. Like, um, it, it really just kind of depends. Also, just keep the discussion, you know, to Moby Generals as well. Like, we have, we're, this community is really developing in a really strong way, and I really appreciate all of you being a part of it. Either way, audience, um, any other questions you have outside of Discord, you can email us, hello at Moby.co, or even just email me directly directly peter at moby.co and again we will gladly add things into our queue as we see trends going forward i would like to say i am very proud of us for getting through an entire podcast without discussing the crypto crypto bull run maybe we'll get to it next week but i think that's a point of pride at this point since that's a, a really huge uh, area of focus for a lot of people in the market right now either way audience it's really awesome having you here just so you know this podcast is produced hosted and voiced by me peter Starr. it is a production of moby.co um if you'd like to see anything else we have we have a bunch of awesome videos out on youtube.com feel free to check us out at moby.co either way audience thank you so much for being here with us and as always i'd like to leave you with peace love and incremental gains everyone be well thank you so much